So he sees you through the finished work of Jesus. He sees you through the blood of Christ and he loves the person he created. It's crazy for us to believe that God hates the things that he created. Isn't it amazing in the book of Genesis that when it said that God created uh, humanity and created Adam and Eve, that he looked at them and said, I hate it. He didn't say that. He looked at them at his creation and he says, it's good. It's good. I'm going to create man and woman in my image. And he created them and he looked at us and he says, that's good. I like that. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, that he crafted us, that he made us. And nothing he made is repulsive to him. God loves humanity. And so I really want us to just come to an understanding tonight that you are loved by God. Like I want you to, I want you to walk out of this room tonight without it even, just not even a question of whether or not God loves you. And I know that sounds so simple tonight, but the reality is that if you can walk out of this room tonight believing what God says about you, believing that you are loved by God, your life will begin to change. You will be transformed. You, your intimacy with Him will grow to another whole level. You won't, you won't believe the lies that you've been believing, thinking that you're hopeless and useless and never living up. I was actually talking to Caleb this morning. I don't know how much I should share, but the reality is that God has been doing some amazing stuff in this church, and I've been so blessed to just be a, a small part of that, to be part of this community and see what God is doing. It's been so incredible. I'm, just, I'm stoked. But I went away for two Sundays, and I didn't know who I was. Let's just be real tonight. All of a sudden, I started to realize, well, maybe I've just been living off like awesome Sunday to awesome Sunday. And then that Sunday, I wasn't part of it. And then the Sunday before that, I wasn't part of it because I'm in the Gold Coast, meant to be having a holiday. And I'm like borderline depressed because I'm starting to find value. I'm starting to drink of the cup of what God is doing rather than just believing that God loves me for who I am. He's not loving me because we're having good Sundays. He didn't love you because you sung really well tonight. He doesn't even love you because you showed up tonight. It's like, oh, they went to church on a Sunday night. I love them. I, I love you for that. <laughs> That's awesome. But God already loved you. He already loved you. And there's some, there's some really simple things that just need to be established about who God is and, and how love is defined for us. Because love is not defined by how we're feeling. And love is not defined by how our life's currently going right now. Love is defined by an action that was upon the cross by a person that hung on a cross whose name is Jesus. And you say, well, Corey, how do we know this? But all the, every single one of us know John 3.16, for God was so frustrated and hated the world that He sent His... I do that every time, and every time no one rebukes me. You guys have got permission to rebuke me if I start saying things that aren't in the Bible. But God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever shall believe in Him shall have eternal life. So God's motive of sending Jesus, just in case you're wondering of why Jesus was sent, just let me help you tonight. The reason Jesus was sent was because God loved you. Really. 
Well, I thought he came to get rid of sin, 100%. Why? Because he loves you. He doesn't, want you. he doesn't want you living in sin. He doesn't want you in hell. He wants you with him. He loves you. See, there's, a, there's this crazy thing that's going on that we begin to look at the cross and we think the cross just reveals how bad we are. The cross revealed how far we had fallen, but it reveals how much God loves us. And so when you see the cross and when you hear the gospel preached, if you, if you are not hearing God loves you, you're not preaching the gospel. This is why I am confident to say to every single person in this room and every single person in Queenstown and every single person in the nation, I can walk up to and say, God loves you. Especially when they're not living right. Even if they don't even believe in God, God loves them. Crazy, right? Because most of us who have given our lives to Jesus don't even believe God loves us. So how do we tell people on the street that aren't even living like they want God that God loves them? Because we've got this crazy idea that God loves us because of what we do. Instead of understanding that God is love and God loves us so much that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, What's that saying? It's saying that when we were at our lowest point, God loved us. So if God loved me at my lowest point, if He loved me while I was yet a sinner and I wanted nothing to do with God, I wasn't thinking about God. I wasn't like, man, I'd really love to be better and get God to love me. I didn't want God. Hated the fact that my parents were pastors. My parents had like 10, 15 different jobs that I used to make up when my, parents, when, people would, when my friends would ask me why you can't stay over on a Saturday night. There's a reason I couldn't stay over on a Saturday night because my dad had this stupid rule that if you live in my house, <laughs> you come to church on Sunday morning. And until you're out on your own, you can make your own decisions. How many had that talk? Joke's on, joke's on me because here I am every Sunday. <laughs> well, I don't want anything to do with God, but yet I know in the midst of that, God loved me. God didn't say, hey, Corey, I just wish you'd be more lovable. <laughs> I wish you'd just do some good stuff and just make yourself a little bit more lovable so I could, you know, maybe love you a little. He loved me, he loved you before the foundation of the world. Crazy, I know. And so every Christian has to come to a point, not even, well, every born-again believer needs to come to a point where they understand and there is not a shadow of a doubt, God loves me. Because the enemy and the world will preach a whole different gospel to you. Well, if God loves you, why did this happen? Well, if God loves us, then why did this happen? But if God loved me, why didn't he do this? There's a beautiful scripture that could sum all that up. Maybe we'll just go there right now. Romans 8, 31 to 39. It says, what shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave, it, gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? There's the love of God right there. God loved you so much that he didn't even spare his own son. Crazy. See, we, we've, we've believed this lie that we have no value. But you don't pay that higher price to someone who doesn't matter. 
You, you don't send your only spotless son to take on human form, to die a horrific de- death on a cross for people who have no value. The cross reveals that God loves us and we have value. Crazy. And I can't bring it up again, but I'm just, I'm on a, I'm on a, I'm on a, what is it called when you're just like on a vendetta? To just get rid of self-hatred in the church. That masks itself as humility. You think you rejecting the love of God and saying, no way, God, there's no way you can love me. You think that that makes him happy. I'm gonna tell you right now, it does not. Because he sent his son to pay for you. So you have to have value and you've got to start seeing your value because of what Christ has done. And so you may say, well, I don't feel loved. I don't feel like I'm of any value. But the reality is that the cross proves that God loves us and you have value. If you didn't, he wouldn't have sent his son. Like Chloe said tonight, he didn't need to. And I love the fact that God didn't need to because it makes me understand that God wanted to. And if you've been married for longer than three years, it's better to be wanted than needed. In any relationship, it's better to be wanted than needed. I'm glad that my marriage is not a convenience that Kelly needed me, so she married me. You say, well, how do you know that, Corey? Because I had no money and no car. (laughs) I know she didn't marry me for things that, that I had. That's why I love her. I had here, so maybe I had one thing going for me. But I got nothing now. <laughs> and she's still hanging around. That's the reality of who God is. So. He didn't spare his own son, but gave him up. So he will not also give us graciously all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? That's just, that's just healthy stuff right there. Who's going to bring a charge against me? God's for me. Man, why am I going to believe lies about about? about myself and about God and, and, and listen to the enemy when God is for me. The accuser can't bring charges against me because I've been made right by the blood of Jesus. And so it just falls off. Okay. If you wanted to amen that, that's fine. Who can bring a, a charge against God's elect? It is God who, what? Justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? A flat tire? Sorry, I'm having a little bit of fun with the Christian cliches. Well, I thought God loved me and my washing machine broke and I walked out and then there was a flat tire. Bro, I've heard that, eh? Honestly. Well, I thought God loved me. Why did this happen? Why did so-and-so have a go at me if God loves me? Let's keep reading. Because it gets even better. Who shall separate us from the love of God, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we have been killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love how the writer of Romans just basically just lies it out and says there's, there's nothing that's gonna separate us from the love of Christ. But in truth, the reality is that we do let things separate us from the love of Christ. Not that Christ stops loving us, but we stop believing that God loves us. And so we disconnect from the love of God and we allow lies to be built in our life that man, if God loved me, this wouldn't have happened. If God loved me, this wouldn't have happened. Well, I don't know if God loves me because I have never felt the love of God. Like I said this morning, I've been pondering this because I did, I did encounter the love of God, but the Holy Spirit reminded me just over this last week that I was not in my room saying, God, I need to feel your love. I was in my room seeking the Lord and just enjoying His presence, knowing that He loved me, and then I encountered His love through that. Because Christianity is faith first. Now, I'm not saying that God can't turn up in His sovereignty and just shower you with His love. I, I know that happens. But what I do know is correct is that just because yet didn't happen doesn't mean that He doesn't love you. Because the Bible reveals and Jesus coming to the earth reveals and has finalized it, never to be questioned ever again, that God loves you. Every time you see that cross, every time you hear the gospel preached, every time you read about what Jesus did, I mean, I was just reading the other day about him being spat on and his beard plucked and people slapping him and saying, prophesy who hit you. To think of Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect spotless lamb, hanging on a cross in a public place, being publicly shamed and humiliated, 39 lashes, just whipped, beaten, disfigured, just hanging on a cross, has a legion of angels that he can just say, in any moment, I'll come, I can come down and be released from this, yet he stayed up there. Why? Why? Because he loves you. It's crazy because I don't understand how we can preach the gospel without telling people that because I've been on the street and I have shared what Jesus has done for people and they are saying, why? Why? Why would he do that? Why would Jesus die on a cross for me? Why would he do that? Why would the Son of God come and become sin that I might become righteous? Why would he do that? What's his motive? What's his heart? What's the whole agenda? Love, exactly. Whoever that was, praise God for you. Love. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. And so as Christians, we may believe that for salvation, but then all of a sudden we get saved, and now there's this switch that flicks in our head that says, yeah, God loved me when I was a sinner, but now I've given my life to Him, and now if I want to keep His love, I better start working hard. And so I do well one week and God loves me and I don't do well next week and then all of a sudden God doesn't love me and all of a sudden my identity is starting to be built not on the fact that God loves me but on my performance. And all of a sudden I'm, a, I'm an unstable person. I'm like up one day and I'm down the next and I'm like God loves me, He doesn't love me, He loves me, He loves me. It's a horrible place to be in. But when I know that I'm loved, I'll surrender to that. Like if you knew that God completely loved you, the security that comes to lay your life down and say, God, whatever you wanna do, whatever you wanna change in me, whatever you ask of me, I know it's because you love me. 
Like I remember being a new Christian and being so scared to pray prayers just in case God asked me to do something I didn't want to do. Have you ever been there? You're just like, man, I want to pray. There's something in me that's like, yeah, I want to give my life fully to Jesus. But what if he says that I've got to like give this thing up? I always remember like this, maybe this doesn't relate to anyone, but always around offering time, like the pastor would say, hey, just pray about what God wants you to give. And I'd be like, no, no, no. <laughs> he may ask me to give something I don't want to give. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm serious. I, I'm, I'm genuinely serious. And, and the reality was, it was coming from a place where I didn't actually believe that God loved me. I didn't actually believe that God had my best interests at heart. But the day that I realized that God loved me and He was for me, like the Word is saying, that if God be for me, who can be against me? That if God loves me and wants the best for me, if He asks anything of me, it's because He loves me. And then I became a dad, and then I realized that when I'm parenting my kids and beginning to like, ask them things and maybe discipline and bring some, bring some uh, perspective in, I'm not doing it because I'm like, man, I just can't wait to discipline my children. I'm doing it because I love them. My, my interest is to love my kids well. So even when we look at the discipline of the Lord, it's, He disciplines those whom He loves. He says, what father among you who says that they love their kids doesn't discipline them? And we thank our earthly mothers and fathers for disciplining us. And he says, how much more should we thank the Lord? So even in discipline, even in correction, we have to have a lens, God loves me. Because again, friend, this is what God's gonna do. If you're a legitimate child of God, He will discipline you. And everyone said, Amen. Can't wait. Well, you, you actually will be excited about it when you realize that He loves you. Because we have this weird thing about discipline being punishment. You just discipline the naughty ones. No, you discipline because you love. There's some stuff that I can see in my kids that I'm like, I wanna, I wanna discipline you now because if this doesn't get sorted later on in life, it's gonna hurt you. And so everything God does, He does from a motive of love. But if we don't have the view that God loves us, when God disciplines you, you'll think, man, I've done something wrong. Man, God doesn't love me. He must love so-and-so because they just got blessed with a new car, but He must hate me because like my car broke down. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just poking fun at prosperity gospel. I believe that God blesses us, by the way. <sighs> but I don't believe where that determines whether or not He loves us. And so if we don't have a right perspective that God loves us, we're gonna start seeing things wrong. We'll start seeing the discipline of the Lord wrong. We'll start seeing our identity wrong. We'll start seeing a lot of things, like, like we'll start seeing life wrong because we're like, man, well, if God loved me, then why, then why, 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 why? I, I don't ask why. I, I've already settled in my heart, God loves me. say, well, that's, that's just you, Corey. You're, you're a bit of a nutter. Hey, someone's got to be a nutter for Jesus, amen. I don't even know if you can say nutter anymore. Is that offensive? Probably. Cra crazy for Jesus? Is that better? Jesus freak. Thank you, Cole. See, there's a reason you came back. Just a Jesus freak. And, uh, 
Well, I've already said it with my heart, God loves me. God loves me. Now, I could lose my job. Guess what? God loves me. It'd be a good thing for me to know that God loved me when I lose my job. It'd be a good thing for me to, to know that God loves me when I'm facing hardships or a circumstance or a situation that just feels heavy. It'd be good for me to realize that God loved me. Because if I start questioning whether or not God loves me, guess what? I've just cut myself off from the one who can actually help me. And instead of running to him, I'm running away from him because I'm like, hey, he doesn't love me. The, the, the amount of Christians that I have met that are, are so mad with the Lord because life didn't turn out how they thought. And their one, their one root cause or their one root cry is, well, if God loved me, why did this happen? I don't know, how, I'm not smart enough to articulate this in the opposite way, but God does love you because of what happened. He loves you because He sent His Son. He loved you that when you were yet a sinner, He sent His Son to pull you and rescue you out and transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His Son. He loved you so much that He didn't want to leave you in the pit. He wanted to pull you up and put your feet on a solid rock. He loved you so much that you're going to spend all of eternity with Him in relationship and communion with Him. He loved you so much that He didn't want you separated from Him from all eternity that He sent His Son that we may be reconciled. The cross speaks that God loves us. The cross speaks, just it's just a, just seal it, nail it down, like let's not talk about it ever again, whether or not God loves you. The cross declares that God loves you. Romans is so clear that no matter what comes our way, nothing, absolutely nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, I went through this season in my life where I was just really struggling to receive God's love for me because I was so performance-minded in what I was doing, the title I had. I felt like I, I, had, I didn't think that I was lovable in myself, so I thought I'll try and do some things that would make me lovable. And I just want to just put this out there. You, I know I'm talking about our relationship with God right now, but there may be some husbands or wives here tonight or maybe even some friends tonight that you have such a low perspective of who you are that you don't believe that you're worthy to be loved. And so you'll do crazy things so people will love you. Like I've seen some people who are crazy generous and, it's, and sometimes it's not because they're crazy generous. Sometimes it's because I'm like, I'm valuable by how much I can give to you. Like you know that friend that always wants to shout you lunch but never can receive a shout for lunch? Sometimes there's a, there's a deep thing within us that disbelieves that we're just, we're just not lovable. And I'm only valuable to you by what I can actually do for you. And so I was, I was in this season where I was just really struggling with that. And God and His goodness and His grace, every place that I went, someone would come up to me and they'd say, hey, I don't know you, but I just want to let you know that, you know, God loves you um, as much as when you're sitting on the couch as when you're preaching the gospel. And I was like, shut up. And I'm crying because it's, it's, it's hitting something in me. It's hitting, it's, hitting a tr it's hitting a lie in me that I'm only valuable by how I can perform. 
And so this consistently happened like four or five times. Didn't matter where I went, what conference or what church or where I was, God would send someone and they would say the same thing to me. Hey, just so you know, God loves you as much as when you're sitting on your couch. I'm like, no, He doesn't. <laughs> he loves me more when I'm preaching. And so what the Lord was trying to show me was that, Corey, I love you for who I created you to be. And so I want to echo that tonight. God loves you for who He created you to be. And now every person that struggles with that will freak out in this room because they're like, well, you can't tell people that because then people will stop doing things. That was the number one, the number one complaint that came back to me when I started preaching about how much God just loves you. And people are like, well, Corey, you can't preach that because if we preach that God loves people, people won't change. If you tell people that God loves them, they won't change. Well, I'm here just to blow the lid off that whole religious theology. You can't change until you receive the love of God. People can't change until they receive God's love for them. When you just say, God loves me, so now I'm gonna run to God. And then in that moment of this being like, God, you love me, I love you, here we are right now, and we're getting transformed. Say, Corey, you're just preaching the same message from this morning, just another way, 100%. 100%. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to demolish every lie that would stop you being intimate with God. And so when you don't understand that you're loved, you won't run to Him. And you may have a good couple weeks, you may have a good couple days, you may perform well for a, for a season, but you'll never live it out long term. And so when you get to the place where you realize God loves me because of what Jesus has done, all of a sudden, everything you do from there is healthy. Come on. Guess what? I'm not preaching tonight so God will love me. I can stay home tonight and God loves me. When we start operating in prophecy and laying on of hands and preaching the gospel and people getting saved, guess what? We're not doing it so God will love us. We're doing it because He first loved us. And so all of a sudden, ministry becomes healthy. Your calling becomes healthy. Your destiny becomes healthy because you're not trying to fulfill your destiny so God will love you. You're fulfilling your destiny because God loves you. Did you not just say the same thing twice, Corey? No, they're complete opposites. I am secure in my identity because I know God loves me. And I know God loves not just me, He loves everyone around me. So now I have a green light to go and love people. I have a green light to walk up to anyone on the street and say, God loves you. Been, oh, I won't go there. But there has been a debate for a long time of whether or not God's love is conditional or unconditional. I'm sorry, friend, but God can't stop being who He is. For God to stop loving means that God has to stop being God. And I would ask you, if it is conditional, what's the one condition that stops it? Because I can't find it in Romans 8. What's going to stop God loving us? Our sin? Because it says that while we're yet sinners, He loved us. Wow. All right. 
That's just a little theological nugget to chew on for the rest of the week. Let's just finish on a couple of scriptures. Right, team, we're going to come. We're going to finish. Or else I'll be on the couch. I can say that because she's not here, but she's probably listening. She'll probably, not, she'll probably come bursting through those doors. She's professing her love for me. Oh, man. Romans 5, 6 to 8. We're just going to read through these so quick. No, let's go. Oh, we could have gone to 1 John 4. We don't have time. When you go home, read 1 John 4. Read, read 1 John 3 and 1 John 4. And uh, if you're questioning the love of God after that, I don't think you will be. Ephesians 5, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Romans 5, verse 6 to 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that's such a beautiful passage of scripture. He's just, he's just, he's just saying, hey, hey, everyone, I died for you at your worst. That proves my love. I didn't die for you because you had a good day. I didn't die for you because you were 50% there. I died for you while you were yet a sinner. Ephesians 1, 3 to 7, all praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before He made the world, God loved us. Wow. Turns out He's loved us for a while. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. Man, that's love right there. This is what we wanted, this is what He wanted to do and it gave Him great pleasure. So it gave God great pleasure to love you and send His Son. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. John 15, nine to 10, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Abide means to continue to be present, to remain as one, to abode, to dwell. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. And I don't have another 20 minutes to explain that one to you, but please do not hear that in a legalistic ear that God will stop loving me if I don't obey His commandments. He's saying, if you wanna remain in my love and not disconnect yourself, keep doing what I've said to do because I've said it because I love you and I've said it because I want you to remain in my love. Some of us hear that with a legalistic thing. No, 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 see, see, God said that if I don't do what He says, He's not gonna love me. No, He says, if you wanna stay and remain and be present in my love and never disconnect from that, 
do what I've commanded you to do because what I've commanded you to do is to stay in my love. And so when we start believing that God doesn't love us, we do things that bring shame and guilt and then that's what stops us being in the love of God. It's not the fact that God stopped loving us, we run away from His love. And so He's saying, son, daughter, do what I've commanded you to do because if you do what I've commanded you to do, your conscience will be clear and you'll remain in my love. Come on. That was worth just coming out to hear that. Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 10. This is, I think this is the last one. But God who is rich in mercy because of His, because of his great love with which He loved us. Don't you love the Bible? Because of His great love in which He loved us. It's beautiful, just in case you still doubted that He loved you. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. That's what I love about the love of God. None of us can boast and say, I made myself lovable. I did some stuff and God decided to love me. It's by the grace of God, He loves us. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just whether we head is bowed, eyes closed this morning, tonight, I don't even know what day it is. Um, God, I just pray that your spirit would come right now and that your word would not return void and that every single person would leave this place tonight knowing without a doubt God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. He loved me so much He sent His Son, Jesus. While I was yet a sinner, He loved me. He's loved me in my worst. He's loved me in my darkest of days. He's loved me when I've had nothing to offer Him. So why would He stop now? The truth is that He hasn't and He won't. He cannot deny Himself. So Lord, I pray that every lie would be broken that says, God doesn't love me. God doesn't want anything to do with me. The truth is the cross declares the sacrifice of Jesus has settled it once and for all. God loves me. God loves me. So Lord, I thank you. I'm in a room of people that are loved by God. I love even the words that you use in your holy scriptures, Lord, when you talk about the beloved, which means much loved. The beloved of God, the much loved of God. I thank you, Lord, that this revelation tonight is gonna produce such an incredible intimacy with you. Because Lord, I know that lies don't last long in your presence. This is a green light for every person to run to the one who loves them tonight. 
Maybe here tonight you haven't made a decision to live for Jesus. You've heard the gospel preached tonight. There's a God who loves you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you. And right now you'll, you'll have the enemy, the devil himself, whispering in your ear saying, God doesn't want you, God doesn't love you. A lot of us hear this lie that says, hey, you should just clean yourself up first. Make yourself more lovable before you come to God. I'm gonna tell you the truth of the gospel right now that He loves you right now in the condition you're in. And you can't clean yourself and you can't wash yourself. And the reality is that even if you give your life to Jesus tonight, He won't love you any more or any less than what He does right now loved you before the world was even created. He sent His Son to prove His love to humanity. And so if that's you, I'm just going to ask just you to lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to know this love you're talking about, Corey. If that's you, just, just look around, just lift your hand. And it's not the lifting of the hand that saves you. It's just an act of faith. It just, it's just you saying yes to the love of God. It's just you saying yes to God. And then what we do is we pray a prayer because the Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, so the prayer is just a, a confession of what God's already doing inside of us. And if you would lift your hand in faith and pray in faith, God is faithful to come and save, heal and deliver. And you can enter into a relationship with God today, right now, tonight you can enter into the love of God through Christ Jesus if that's you just lift your hand as I look around I'd love to pray with you declare the love of God over your life amen alright church why don't we stand and Anyone just convinced of the love of God towards them tonight? Come on. And uh, I know that may seem super basic and simple, but man, it's amazing how much stuff we forget as we walk with the Lord. There's just some good foundational things that we just always just need to have in front of us that help us live a healthy Christian life. And so um, I can't drag it on any longer tonight. But I would love to pray with people. Man, if you need healing, I believe God will heal you. If you need deliverance, I believe that He'll deliver you. If you need salvation, if you just need a fresh touch from God, if you just need some lies broken off your life, there are people here who believe that God can do that. And so what we do is we, we do this every time. We, we say, if that's you, come to the front and we'll pray with you. And sometimes people get nervous and like, man, I don't want to walk up there. It seems like 20 meters away. The people are going to look at me and who cares? Like, who cares? Like, honestly, who cares? The, the point is you going home free. The point is you going home encountering the love of the Lord. It's, it's not about who sees you and should I, shouldn't I. It's about you just coming in faith and being like, man, I just want to meet with God tonight. And I believe that God will meet you 
right here because he's a God who cares and he's a God who loves you. And so the team's going to sing and if that's you, just come, just begin to come even now. I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to come and just remove some veils and open some eyes. And otherwise, hey, go home tonight. Get in front of the mirror. And just say, thank you, God, you love me. And then when you get up in the morning, when you wake up, first thing you say, thank you, God, you love me. Before I've ever done anything, thank you, God, you love me. Before you head down the pillow, go to sleep, thank you, God, you love me. That's just good, healthy gospel. God, thank you, I'm so loved by you. I cannot wait to hear the testimonies of people experiencing God in a whole new way. Because now you actually have a grid and awareness that God actually wants to speak to me. God wants to meet with me. And you know, the only thing that changes, you actually start to believe that God loves you. Because He wants to talk to me, He loves me. Because He wants to hang out with me when I go to my bedroom and shut the door. He loves me. Come on. You may think I'm crazy, but maybe I am. But the bigness of the Lord, the intimacy that's produced when you just start believing His love for you. All of a sudden, you've got words to give to people. All of a sudden, that person that you look at at work, and you're like, man, I hate them. All of a sudden, you're like, I love you. Not in a weird way. But like, how come I see you different now? How come, how come you're not as annoying as you were last week? Well, nothing changed about them. They're still behaving the same, but all of a sudden you're like, whoa, God loves me and God loves that person. And all of a sudden now you're, you're, you are an open, willing son or daughter of God that's ready to just start loving people. And all that changed was not that you tried to do it to get God to love you, but you said, you woke up in the morning and said, God, I actually believe that you love me. And you want to be with me today. And you love me first. That's what I love to throw back at the Lord when I'm, when I'm feeling unlovable. Thank you, God, you love me first. It wasn't my idea. I didn't love you and then you loved me. You loved me. And I just loved you back. Oh, come on. I wish that was the reality of me and Kelly. I loved her first. I wish she loved me first. I wish she pursued me. I tell everyone she did, but she didn't. I pursued her. But you know, the good thing about the Lord is that He pursued me. And that, that, you, you can take that to the bank. No, he, he loves me. And I get to love Him back. So here we go. Longest altar call in the world. <laughs> 